At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. We are dead! We are all dead! We were supposed to make the world a better place. What happened? I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! I know Kung Fu. You either die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! This whole thing is insane! This whole thing is insane! 300 years ago, you'd have been burned at the stake. What do all men with power want? More power. This is now the United States of Zombieland. This whole thing is insane! Man is evil, capable of nothing but destruction! Everybody is stuck with the things that they're not proud of. More power. Welcome to the desert of the real. More power. There can be only one. Are you a God-fearing man, Senator? That's such a strange phrase. I've always thought of God as a teacher, as a bringer of light, wisdom, and understanding. You see, I think what you really are afraid of is me. Happy Heresies and welcome to the Desert of the Real. Heresy shouldn't be this much fun, but it just is, it just is. And welcome to the audio version of AB Live, episode 49. Raw, uncensored, and unfiltered, just like the truth you've been looking for across all your existences. Supercharged by stellar audience participation. It's always Archon slaying when Robert Bonomo materializes at the virtual Alexandria. Even after they sabotaged our first try weeks ago. But we overcame and Sackless giggled with anxiety, especially after Robert discussed his new documentary, Twilight of the Archons. The film examines the current materialist paradigm by looking at our consumer-oriented society and exploring alternatives based on consciousness. With contributions from thinkers such as Joseph Campbell and Richard Werner, the documentary deconstructs the gospel of Netflix, Apple, and Google and proposes new ways to approach these troubled times. 
The Archons may be on the ropes, though, but they won't go down without one last genocidal awareness-killing fight. As King Leonidas said, This is where we hold them! This is where we fight! This is where they die! I'm so blessed by those of you who support this Red Bill Cafeteria. I'm honored by your company, and the show keeps growing thanks to you and despite all the shadow banning I get across YouTube and social media. Yes, I've done audits with tech and marketing experts, and the Archons certainly don't want the Gnostic heresy spread. But your support and word of mouth has given the Demiurge and his angelic mafia more twilights. Great guests and engaging shows coming up this spring, with cool and controversial cats like Chris Bennett, John Lamb Lash, Richard Smoley, and Stephen Flowers on the horizon. Don't go into any twilights. Needless to say, we need Gnosis more than ever. You won't find this high-quality Gnostic and Hermetic wisdom, or guess and their unique insights anywhere else in cyberspace or even meat space. But enough of my short drivel. Led us to our latest AB Live with Robert Bonomo. As a bonus for AB Prime members and patrons at Patreon, I'll provide our first interview with Robert where he focuses more on Gnosticism, including the Gospel of Thomas and Alchemy and more. Yes, yes, heresy is really so much damn fun. The Empire Never Ended. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street. There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to ride. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the desert of the real. Saturday night is all right for fighting Archons, as we're going to find on this AB Live episode 
49, I believe. And uh, this is sort of a, a second try as the Archons won the first round, but this time we are back. We are more prepared. We've got our magic, our technology, everything. So welcome, everybody. Glad to see you, though. Glad to see everyone, those who are coming into the chat room. Always enjoy the energy, the vibes, and the questions in the chat room and the overall energy of just doing a live show. And uh, again, we are very honored to have my friend Robert Bonomo. Robert, how are you doing tonight? Doing great, guys. Real happy to be here. Sorry about the last time, but we're back and we're ready to go. I got energy. You got energy? You got coffee? I got I got Coca-Cola, baby. Coca-Cola. I'm ready to go. Awesome. Awesome. With us, too. Always glad to have the Moondog, Vance. Vance, glad you are here and your green screen didn't betray you tonight. Yes, I've got it working again. i got my Galaxy as opposed to my guitar. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, as always, uh, if you have questions for Robert, who is here to discuss his awesome documentary twilight of the archons i watched it again today and it was it was just great awesome please write uh, lots of question marks or in cap and caps in the chats on facebook or youtube uh i don't know if they even appear on facebook do they appear do you get questions can you see questions on facebook uh vance I think they cannot see the questions. I can't. Oh, no, I can see them. You can see the questions. I right. can see the questions because they all come here, but they don't come there. So they, the YouTube can't see the Facebook questions, vice versa. Okay, awesome, awesome. Yeah, StreamYard is still a bit new to all of us, but I still like it. So, and yes, we will get to your questions. If you do a super chat, of course, you will be put at the top of the line. And we always appreciate your support as independent media. Please support us, support Robert, support everybody except the corporate fake media out there and their butt, butt slaves in the establishment. Uh, let's, uh, Let's get the little voices out because we can be the true song of Orpheus in this world where men still have nipples and Peter Sellers still gets away with wearing brown face in the party. Still my favorite character actor of all time is, is everything in total, even the party. So, so Robert, uh, tell us about how you came about to uh, creating Twilight of the Archons. Yeah, this was really a two-film project. When I came up with 21 Faces of God, I came up with this idea of Twilight of the Archons. And at one point, I almost gave up 21 Faces of God to make this film. Um, this began as more of sort of a socioeconomic, political conspiracy kind of thing. But, you know, by the time I finished Twilight of the Archons, I realized I was really deep into the, into the esoteric spiritual side. And I realized I was getting a little bit into Vedanta by the end of it, personally. Um, but I didn't want to give up the money thing because I'm fascinated with money and and sort of the messaging and that that whole Adam Curtis vibe. I'm a big fan of Adam Curtis. He really influenced me. So, you know, I wanted to make something in between. And so I had this insight that money, understanding money, I've always believed when you understand money, it something clicks. You say, what? Why wasn't I taught this? And I realized with consciousness, it's the same thing. Why, 
aren't we taught exactly, you know, what, what we know about consciousness and, and how we interact with the world through this consciousness. It's always there. It's like a barrier. It goes back to you when you study philosophy. I mean, Yuma says it, right? We're at the mercy of, of consciousness. So I kind of wanted to put them together. And when, there was a point there where I, I kind of, I was, I was cooking this thing up. We got coroned. <laughs> then we had the summer of love last summer. And I was just like lost. And then it came back and I, I was able to finish it. So uh, I was pretty happy. I was able to get it done. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, don't forget the election and everything else. And things are just, uh, well, the weirdness, the high weirdness has not stopped. And uh, it looks like yeah. it's doing really great. I checked today and you've got almost 13,000 views. So yeah. for a little niche sort of Gnostic hermetic movie, it's, it's, it's definitely getting some traction. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, and, and, and folks, you know, I mean, this is something I've, it's a labor of love. I'm not looking for money. I have a day job. But, you know, if you like the film, if you can help, because, you know, these types of projects, you know, Netflix, Netflix would never, even if this would I mean, my budget was a couple hundred bucks. But if this had been a hundred thousand dollar film, Netflix would never put this. You'd never see this on Netflix. You wouldn't no. No. So we've got to promote this because this is our our culture. You know? Yeah, and even if you put a hundred thousand dollars, it wouldn't look that much different because again, you're doing the Adam Curtis thing. You're just grabbing footage from all these places and getting poetic and putting music and sort of a, an expression of your own unconscious. You know, it's extraordinary. I, I think I told you this before. I was in film school. I was at the Tisch School of the Arts for a year in the eighties. And if I had wanted to make this film in the 1980s, it would have literally cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. The time in the editing room, just the time in the editing room and getting the rights. Imagine the lawyers calling, getting rights. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then where would I show it? Who would watch it? You know, four weirdos in some art house place? That would be Dorm it. room. Yeah. Coffee shop. Yeah. I mean, you turned me on to Fillmore. Even the intro you guys all watch. It took me. 15 it took me half an hour and cost me zero dollars you just grab it's beautiful it yeah your so. intro is beautiful i love it well we all it's have really that potential that's why they call people on the internet creators i think that's the positive side we all can create something valuable and niche and game-changing now we have that power which is a positive thing of these digital times. And let's not forget that because, you know, there was a time when I would have never been able to make a film. I mean, now I've got one of those knowledge panels on Google. It's calls me a film director. I laugh. Can you imagine? Can you imagine me with my art house movie with 10 people watching it? You know, so this technology has given us so much good and bad. Everything has its shadow. And we'll talk about that probably today. Yeah, definitely. But let's not get that because look what you've been able to do, what I've been able to do. We can, you know, we can be who we wanted to be. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I mean, I wouldn't get too excited. I mean, they called the guy who did The Last Jedi a director. Uh, <laughs> ever put out the last Terminator movie, Dark Fate. Uh, actually, it's the same guy who did Deadpool. Well, anyway, there's still a lot of garbage out there. That's my point. Oh, but, that's all there is. Yeah. But, well, awesome. Well, well, let's start talking about your film. Uh, I'm, I want to show the audience a clip of your film, and then oh, we great. can dive directly into it. Uh, we'll have several of these clips tonight so people really can get acquainted with your work. 
So here is the intro to Twilight of the Archons, audience. It's coming now. We have been consumed by a malevolent narrative that has replaced our souls, our transcendent selves, and turned us into consumers, debt slaves, or in the words of Alex Sakaris, biological robots living in a meaningless universe. We have become prisoners of our fears and desires. But to what end? Is the entire meaning of modern life to simply seek pleasure and avoid pain? Is this enough to live? In our past, there were hidden, esoteric paths that guided the wise through the matrix of control. But these ancient learnings have become obscured by pseudo-transcendent materialism and false prophets. Economic progress has given us an incredible amount of abundance in the developed world, and our instincts are being overwhelmed by a system bent on exploiting our drives. In the information age, we have become the product. Our profiles are sold to the highest bidder according to our value as consumers. The money myth is one of the few and maybe the most powerful universal narratives. The reality of money is based entirely on the unquestioned belief in the story of the dollar. But how many of us really know what money is and how it is created? We are given roles to play in order to have access to the system, to money. Roles often imposed on us from a matrix of symbols beyond our control and understanding. Yet we play on. There comes a moment when we want to revolt, to throw off our chains. But how? Who is the enemy? We are told that the world is run by a few political brands, yet their machinations seem more like theater. Are they really in control? We are socially engineered through political drama, advertising, and big data. At the same time, traditional religion has lost its grip on much of the world, as its fundamental myths have lost touch with modern cosmologies. Mainstream religion no longer serves the purpose of explaining the world, and it's lost the ability to connect modern people with their transcendent selves. While science claims our consciousness is just a byproduct of a complex brain, many are not convinced. Maybe it's the other way around? Could consciousness itself be the core of our being? If we dare to question the established worldview, we must re-envision our reality and create our own myths. Our future as a species depends on the quality of the questions we ask and the stories we tell. It really is that simple. The era of mass social control has been crucial in our development. Much technology has come with the shift to materialism, but the lack of any fundamental meaning in the actual paradigm has left us empty and hollow. We have reached the twilight of the Archons, and it's time we began to write our own stories, forge our own identities, and liberate ourselves to our highest destinies. Woo!
Powerful stuff. I got I get goosebumps. It's like it's all right there. So uh and of course uh, the visuals, the music, they live, uh and other really great movies, Super Bowl commercials, music videos, uh powerful. And uh, your documentary, how did you you structure it three ways, right? Excuse me? It's structured in three parts. Um, How did you start? Yeah, basic, basically, yeah. You've got you've got the intro. Then I go into the materialism, and then then I go into sort of religion, and then at the end, it's slaying the archons. So it, in the end, I try and bring it all together and make that. Hopefully, we get that click, that insight about about what the connection the connection part is. You know, and I've, I've got to say, the archons comes from you. Because the archons, the archons, the archons, that part comes from you. And then I put Alex, Alex's famous quote about the uh, biological uh, role. You guys both got in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, we'll talk about who exactly are the archons. And uh, we'll find out that you and Philip K. Dick agreed 100%. But I think the the first part, which we have to accept and a very powerful message, Robert, is as you say, we're trapped in between a cosmology that doesn't work in the machine. Uh, I think that's what it is, right? Uh, as Joseph Campbell said, we need a new myth. Myth and stories are our operating system. That's a huge problem, isn't it? And it, it, it is, I think it is the problem in the world today. If there's one problem, it's that. It's, it's a functioning myth that we're missing. And it's emerging. That myth is emerging. It's coming. You can feel it sort of kind of looking for itself. You know, it reminds me of the tarot card, the, uh, the moon. We got that lobster coming up. You can feel this myth coming, but what, where exactly is it? How is it going to, and this, this is the role I think we can play this sort of us, this sort of world we have. We can push it a little bit towards one direction or another. We can't guide it, but we can push it a little bit. And I think that's the positive thing that we can do with the work we do. You know? Yeah, it uh, reminds me, your quote reminds me, I don't know if you've seen the new film, uh, A Glitch in the Matrix. And uh, yeah. I think I've seen it. Yeah, and Eric Davis is in there, and he talks about Philip K. Dick, and he says, uh, the contemporary world was just recreating the animus world that pre-modern people saw. Philip K. Dick's work captures that sense of profane technological animism, that aliveness that is not very trustworthy. Dick was also aware of the broken. People are broken, technologies are broken, cosmologies are broken, gods are broken. Yeah. So I think you would agree with that. Everything's Absolutely. broken. It's, but we have to remember that's these are the these are incredibly creative moments. The creation comes in the collapse. All civilizations is when you see that beautiful that that uplift, and that's where we are. But it's 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 a dangerous moment, but it's a creative moment. Incredibly. And when people say myths. Uh, what do you tell them? I mean, uh, obviously, you and I know myths are Christianity, uh, other things. I mean, how do you explain a myth to a person who might be looking at you like, what are you talking about, Robert? 
Myths are the story because when you really think about it, everything is a myth. We explain ourselves and the world through stories. That's all we do. There is no story that's 100% true. I mean, you could take gravity, take gravity. Well, how do you bring gravity to the quantum level? You can't, right? It's one of the problems in physics. So even that story has a point where it stops working. How we interpret these perceptions, thoughts, is a story. So all stories are myths. Everything we say, speak, how we interact is through narrative. And that is what myth is. Now, some are a little better than others in the sense that they help us. They make us happy. Others, maybe not so much. But myth is simply story. And everything is a story. Everything is. That's one of that's an insight I've had. There, there it, myth, it, it, it escapes nothing. Math is a myth. Hmm. Because go into nature and show me the number one. Find it. Show me number two. So if you can't find number two in the world, then what about this math, right? Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, oh, go yeah, ahead. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, our, our as Doctor Who said, our sto- our souls are made not of atoms and stories. Uh, what you'd be basically saying, our mind as human beings, what separates us from other animals is that our minds are made of stories, of uh, putting together patterns, of uh, rearranging symbols and uh, old ar- and archetypal images. And I think we've lost that, don't you think, as a culture? Or do you think we're just sort of going through growing pains uh, what do you think, Robert? Yeah, I wouldn't say we've lost it. I think what we're doing is we're grappling for, because as change moved slowly, the myths had time to adjust. And like like Campbell says in the film, a, a myth that works has to coincide with current scientific cosmologies. Mm. It has to... And there, most of our myths have lost that. That's why there's such, I think, a turn to the East, because the Eastern myths basically say it's all illusion. It's about your consciousness. It's not about a God out there. It's about who you are. So it's easier because you don't need these myths to explain. All you need is consciousness. Are you aware? Yes, I am. Do you have are you a conscious being? Yes, that's basically the myth that you need for the East. Our religions are having problems because the cosmologies aren't matching up. No, that makes sense. And uh, furthermore, then it gets worse because, uh, as you also say in your documentary, the gods have some have have been sublimated into brands, tech, and social movements. So that's yeah. what's happened. I, I think what, uh, bringing back Philip K. Dick, he always said uh, in the 20th century. God can never appear in the clouds or as a glittering light. People would, the only way he could appear is in a commercial on TV with a product. And then people would be like, we hear you. So we don't, we're, the gods have been changed. And or a UFO. Or a UFO, yeah. Yeah, let's not forget that. I mean, that's, that's important, that part of it. But I mean, yeah, the, the gods of today are the Chanel or the Le- LeBron James or the whoever, Beyonce or Elon Musk. They have become the gods. 
Yeah, and that's an issue. I mean, also as you you write or or say, marketing is no longer about fulfilling needs but creating them. Yeah, of course. So, so, in other words, they're trying to create artificial worlds and needs for us to basically manipulate us, control us. And this has gotten to a point that's terrifying. We really have to accept this. I was listening. This is not my idea. I was listening to a, a podcast the other day from somebody and they talked about fast food. And what does fast food do? But it mimics when you eat healthy food, it mimics those flavors like the salt, the sweet. So it's like a trick. And that's why you can go to McDonald's and eat that stuff. And it tastes so good. But then later you have a problem, a nutritional problem. Yeah. Okay. That's an issue. But the, the more dangerous issue is, for example, human interactions. The human interaction between two friends is being mimicked by a Facebook and Instagram, et cetera. You get that dopamine hit. And it, but there's something missing. And so what about romantic relationships? What is this stuff doing to romantic love? And not only romantic love, relationships in general. Do we have any idea? No, but when you think about it, do we really know? We don't. This is a massive experiment in human relationships. And you see it. I think if you pay attention, you can see something changing. And it's very, very dangerous. And it's I, as a teacher, I'm a lecturer at a university. I see these young kids. And they talk about love in a way that terrifies me. Because they're scared. They don't feel it. They don't have that, you know, there's something missing. There's something, there's something off. Something, they don't see a greater world. I think that's perhaps it. I mean, everything's atomized and fragmented. There's no greater good or they know that these gods like LeBron James or Cristiano Ronaldo or Netflix are ultimately false idols. But what do you do when you're in hell? How much? Wait for Virgil? <laughs> but they tell me, they say, sir, there's something going on with our relationships that's it's, it's, it's not like it was when you were young. And I'm like, yeah, come on, you know, you get your heart broken and things. They go, yeah, but it's different. It, you know what I mean? There's something different in that connection. So what we're doing here is that's what terrifies me is this change is so fast. We have no idea what we're doing and no one will talk about this. No one will. I mean, did you see, for example, that documentary, the social, what was it called? The social, uh, um, it came out about a month ago on Netflix. Oh, is that the one where they do the fake influencers? Yeah, exactly. Remember the, the show? I haven't seen it, but I saw, well, I read about it and all the, yeah, it's terrible. It, it does a pretty good job of showing how that works. And like when I worked in marketing, what we tried to do was create desires and then fulfill them. Um, but I, didn't, I haven't worked in marketing like in 10 years with data. When I look at what they do now, I tell my kids, I say, look, I felt like I had a musket and these guys have F-35s. The difference is immense in the data because I, when I look at the data, I'm like, God, I could make a fortune if I had this data. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. But what happened to change is there's still 
as as you say in the, the film, uh, know your enemy because they know you. Like I said, yes. now they have data where they can really get surgical surgical on you, but they're still from the days of uh, Edward Bernays and uh, Edward Dichter and all those fathers of market research, and they're still playing to your unconscious, to your base systems, to right. what's underneath. And that's probably the the really sad part is they, those in power, know that we have a vast world within us, but people have been taught that they're, we're just, again, we're just biological robots. So they can pull the strings because they can go send this message right into our unconscious and make us more fearful, bring out our shadow, tweak this, but we don't know who we are. Basically, we've been hacked. <laughs> Thank you. Perfect. Thank you, Vance. That's it. We we have been hacked. Yep. And you know how do you unhack yourself? I would say honestly, take the phone and throw it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it seems drastic, and you tell people that, and they say, "I can't live without my phone." You can't. Do it for a week and see what happens to your brain. Oh, I agree. I mean, if I leave my phone in the other room, I feel uncomfortable. It's And I go, why am I feeling uncomfortable about a, a phone? I have one of these and this is it. That's it. Mm -hmm. It works. People laugh at you. They call you. And then, it, then it's actually become really cool because it's like, what are you, a spy? I'm like, of course. That's <laughs> what I do. I'm a spy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's <Partner> phone. <laughs> yeah, so it goes down. Yeah, uh, disattach, uh, tune yeah. out, as uh, Leary said, but also uh, go down. You got to know yourself because, again, they know you. They know. They understand the whole union psyche, uh, Freudian unconscious thing. They've been using that, and when you add all this data, they can just. Well, that's where the control, the manipulation, they turn, they are trying to turn us into biological robots because then we just become this fertile ground for data for whatever projects they have. I mean, this is, uh, we're being watched <laughs> and remember the they is AI. Hmm. That's what's kind of terrifying about it. I mean, when you, when I used to begin with multivariate testing in the very beginning, no, it was pretty archaic. But with the data they have now, if there is no they, they just dump it in and say, you know, find me the significant point here and then bang, go get it, boys. So the they has become the machine, which is even scarier. Yeah, to a point. I mean, I wanted to bring in Adam Curtis's uh, documentary, because yeah, it just blew me away. But he makes a good point that it's it's still the the magic of the unconscious, the being a, a better myth maker than they want to be a better myth maker than us because all this data in the world they couldn't figure out the fall of the russian empire the ussr they couldn't figure out Brexit. i mean they've made all this data they've made a lot of stupid mistakes and they seem sure. they still cannot seem to handle the crowds the thing i wanted to talk to you about robert which I thought was one of the many points about uh, can't get you out of my head. And you touch upon this on your mm -hmm. film. He talks about the age of the collective is over the, yeah. the 20th century brought the individual. Yes. I mean, the 1918, the enlightenment, there was an individual, but it was still like, I serve God. I serve my country. I serve the empire. Mm -hmm. I serve 
the queen. We still had a collective mind, but the 20th century changed that. And it seems all great, but then you look at the 20th century and you go, well, shit, what a disaster. And the 21st century is not not going so well. We still got a, yeah, we still got a war and some genocide to go through and all that. But why is this happening is because, as uh, Curtis argues well with research, there is no individual. The truth is... We, I mean, Jung and Freud, or especially Jung was right, and the Gnostics and the Kabbalists who said that we have many divine sparks. There is no individual. We're just a bunch of uh, identities, complexes, shadows, and our ego makes excuses and pretends it's in control. It tells a story like there is a Robert Bonomo or a Vance or Miguel, but that's a fiction too, you know? And of course, the powers that be know this, and they know which versions of ourselves to manipulate. So the scary part is there is no individual. But once you find out, that's a good news because that's when the real work starts. But I mean, Miguel, you know how deep though what you just said is, because when you, if you turn the camera in, if you look for you out there. You'll find it God knows where. We've all found it in some crazy places, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you turn the camera in and say, okay, where is that? Where is it? Keep looking, keep looking, keep looking. You're not going to find it. You're not going to find it. And then the light goes on. And then there's no you to manipulate. You can just laugh. <laughs> but that's the path. And it's an interesting, as long as you believe that there is that you, then they can play that you, and then you're, you're hooked. The only way to get out of the hook, really, is to realize there is no you. Yeah. They that's a very the version of you. All the little phantoms that we are, we can do it. I don't go that Eastern. I would say I'm more with Jung, that the knowledge, we can integrate all the yous and like the all the aeons and archons that are within us. And then sure. when we're individuated, or I guess it is Eastern because you can call the pleroma the undivided. There is nothing. Yeah. It's just right. one. Then we become truly powerful and beyond their manipulation, beyond uh, the vagaries of fate and the culture. That's the true individual. You would say the no individual. Exactly. And and that's the, it's such, it's, it's such a paradox, isn't it? That, uh, <laughs> You know, to escape, to escape it, you have to escape yourself. It's almost like, what? Am I going to become the Borg? No, don't worry. No, 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 it's different. Yeah. It's not collective. <laughs> it's, uh, it's something unique. I think that's part of our new myth, guys. I think that is our new myth. And people need to get over this. I'm an individual and I'm Republican or I'm white or, you know, these things that keep her on the surface level when we have to go down and see what I call legion, all the phantoms that are within us to find, well, what ourselves are. It, that's so interesting what's going on now. That's why that quote from come from Campbell when he said, we don't have a universal myth and we're going to pull back into ethnic, racial, gender, etc. myths. That's what right. you see happening. Mm -hmm. Because there's only two ways to do it. You do it out there or you do it in here. And if you do it out there, there is no collective anymore. What does it mean even to be an American anymore? Does it mean anything? Not really. 
I mean, the generation of my father, they all went to war. They had something that united them. You know, my father was from the Second World War, that generation. They had some identity collective, but now we have nothing. I remember there was a very peculiar moment in the coronavirus when they did a flyover New York and people laughed. Really? <laughs> yeah, it was like, why are they flying jets over New York? There was a time that would have uplifted people. Not because there's, there's no collective sense of us. So if, you, if we all fall back into those local identities, God help us. It's, it's, it's not what we want to do in any way, shape, or form. No, no, we can't. We're not going back, people. Again, as Robert says, now is the time to embrace a new myth. Collective is not going to go back unless you want to go to the Chinese social media score where you're graded every day until you become a biological robot or this false individual where you're just really holding on to your ego and you're just becoming more and more uncomfortable with what's going on in the world and more depressed, more anxious. So, uh, but that's why we're here. And, uh, and I'm going to defend, this is a very Gnostic and Hermetic idea. They were talking about the different levels, yes. uh, the illusion of the world, uh, the whole thing, you find it in the text. So um, I'm, uh, I, I get excited. I get excited about it. And, and I do too, because there is a way we can connect and we can feel connected and we can feel love between us without having to revert to our ethnic identities, our sexual identities, our political identity. God help us with the politics. <laughs> so what I mean is they know so well how to put us in little camps and get us functioning on that. That, And you know what? When I say they, I don't mean anyone. I worked in this stuff and I know what you do. Go to ask anyone's worked in Silicon Valley and you go in there and say, oh, I know what we should do to them. They'll fire you. They'll say, show me the data and test. Show me the data and test and show me the data and test. So there, it's not, there's not a they, it's an algorithm. And when the algorithm works, what do you do? You double down. And if it doesn't work, you change it and you test another one. That, that's all the machine is doing. Do you see what I mean? It's not, there's not a conspiracy of a bunch of people trying to, it's not it. It's just, they've got the tools and tools work. So you can be a sucker for the tools or you can say, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think that brings me to the next question. Uh, we can take the metaphysics out. Of course, all here, we believe in our metaphysics, but when we talk about who the archons are, uh, again, you agree with Philip K. Dick that, we are the archons too. This is an interactive world. We give them the fuel, the fire, the energy, the attention, the data. Why? Because we want to. There's part of us that probably wants to be ruled over, that is projecting our own desire to dominate. And you even bring uh, that quote, that famous quote from George Carlin, who might be the greatest prophet in the last hundred years, where he's talking about politicians don't come from a parallel dimension. We keep voting these assholes. And yes, there are career politicians <laughs> that have the game rigged, that they're always going to win their district. And, uh, but for the most part, we keep giving these idiots a chance and they keep screwing us over, right? 
Yeah, I mean, that's go back and watch that whole skit. I would encourage anyone because it gets really funny. The whole idea is why he doesn't vote so he can complain to the people who voted. <laughs> it's a great skit. It's really <laughs> funny. It's just he twists the whole thing around. And he, uh, but exactly, I mean, just look at what we have. Can we change this? Of course we can. It's not that difficult. But God, to have a normal conversation with somebody about any, Difficult topic, we fall into dogma. We fall into all these beliefs in these camps. Just you're a transphobe. You're a fascist. You're a oh, left winger. You're a communist. Yeah. Within seconds, it's like they've been. Yeah, yeah. That's it. And, and I'm not speaking to one side or the other because we all on all. And when I fall into my political Robert thing, I do the, exactly the same thing. So I'm I'm as guilty as the next guy. But that's why I really try and disconnect from the politics. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a clown show. So Vince, uh, what do you think? You've got that very sad background. And you, uh, yeah, that's that's from comments? an animation. Did you you guys didn't see that animation? It's a fantastic yeah. thing. It's all about this. Where like, I use it in the film. That's from the oh, film too. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's 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 great. Oh, well, you didn't know? You just pulled that without. That's strange because that's the scene from one of my films. The from the scene. From yeah. The, the sinks are going. Yep. Well, there it is. Well, what I think, you know, uh, I'm in agreement. The politics, you know, the, I really do think there are certain people, and I've met a couple of them in my life. There are people that really are archetypical archons, so to speak. <laughs> they plan. They um you know, it's it's. There's one experience in a company that I had in Silicon Valley, a huge contract manufacturer, where I had a relatively high position. And I wanted to transfer departments, and they wouldn't let me. And uh, it was it was the kind of thing where there were the people that control things, and there were the little guys that ever, which was everybody else. And it's very evident in, in a in a place like that. So. You know, I, I think that there are there are people that are pushing all this forward that are orchestrating it, and they they're united by money. It's the money is the big you know idol, the the biggest one of all. Well, there is something strange, and I was listening to Alan Watts the other day. Lately, I I, I just I love Alan Watts. Yeah, me too. Three years. And and what a command of the language. You know, you just listen to him. You're like, wow, man, this guy can talk. But he was saying something funny. He said, you know, it's interesting that America is a republic. But but if you look at, say, our corporate systems, there's nothing of democracy in a corporate system. Corporate, no. corporate systems are fascist systems. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No, and I'm not saying that in, within the, you know, you're a fascist. It's it, that really what it is. I mean, fascism is the corporation and the state merge. You have sort of the corporate state. And what do we have now? And I don't mean this in the that way of saying it. We have the corporate state. We have certain lobbies from very large companies that have an influence that they've never had. Now they have that influence. It merges with the state and we have a fascist state. That, And then we have a theater that we call elections to sort of, it's like, uh, you know, it's like a, celebrating one of these ancient sort of uh, so, you know, one of these traditional celebrations, the whole election thing, but it's just, it's just theater. It's total theater. And people don't understand that. I mean, that's what's kind of scary. Like, you know, they, they won't accept the fact that it's, and I enjoy the theater of it, 
sometimes, yeah, I'll turn it on and, and laugh at who, whatever client is saying, but it is theater. No, we have to, we have to re-envision a society that really does, you know, come from us, of the people, by the people, and for the people. And that's not what we have anymore. So we just have to accept it. Okay, this is what it is, and you know, begin the path forward. Well said. Any questions from the audience fans or yourself? Um, you there were some back here. Um, somebody wants to know, Oswald wants to know, um, Robert, if you have RH negative blood, or do you know anything about the phenomenon, the RH negative stuff? I've got the normal, uh, the most common, the one that it's most, because they were always asking me to give blood when I was a kid. O positive, o positive? probably. I think yeah. O positive is and then um, somebody else, a YouTube host, wants to know um, if you establish the go-to horoscope site, or are you certainly your own astrologer? Yeah, actually, I do. I do. I I got really into astrology, and I do some astrology readings. Um, but do I have a go-to site? Go-to horoscope. There's a site called Go-to Horoscope, I guess. Dot something. You know, I, I don't know. I, you know, there was a site I wrote for many years ago. So I, I think I actually might have written some stuff for there. I'm not sure. Okay. But I haven't seen many other questions from here. All right. Well, we will. I'm sure more will come. We've got a good audience, uh, about 100 people there. So good right. crowd. And, uh, of course, the topic is very good. I think we should probably now get into the into oh yeah quick um house i don't know what you want to call it a house cleaning announcement commercial but if you guys see the ticker down there uh when we're talking about uh tech and tech censorship i mean uh companies like google have more power than most more nations in this world and of course as we just talked they are fascists but i am now um you might say spreading out i've got enough strikes on my google channel I've had audits and I am really shadow banned. I mean, it's, I mean, I've had Silicon Valley guys take, make audits of my channel and my website and all that. And there is some bad shadow, shadow banning. Uh, so now you can find uh, the shows on odyssey.com. Uh, same shows you would find on YouTube. And if you want full shows, you can go to rockfin.com and that's a up and coming right now exclusive, uh, pay kind of subscription podcast video site so come support me there and uh, i'm sure we'll have some new and cool uh, content there <clears throat> but these shows will also will make it there plus some bonuses but we're talking about the probably the uh, uh, beyond manipulating the phantoms un the underneath our ego robert the other great magic is of course money as you call it it's today's philosopher's stone so why don't we talk about that? But first, I'd like to play the other video, the clip uh, you gave me about money, because I think the audience will really love it. So here is a, a clip from Twilight of the Archons, and this is uh, Robert talking about money. Let me turn off this ticker here, and let me... Uh, uh, there we go. Where is it? Money. Here we go. The money narrative is a good example of how false beliefs distort our lives. Most assume it is what it appears to be, but as we drill down, we find there are two kinds of money, 
One form is what we work to earn. The other kind is what banks loan us. Imagine a friend who had a special printer, one that printed dollars. How would we feel if upon signing an IOU, he printed out the money and demanded we paid it back with interest? Would we feel as if we were being robbed? Certainly what he loaned us and what we paid back would be considered quite different things. Yet this is how modern banking works. Modern monetary theory clearly explains that governments do the same thing. First they create money and spend it, and later tax and issue debt to balance accounts and maintain monetary policy. Governments never have a lack of money. We can never again let a politician say there is not enough money. They can say there are not enough resources, which could be legitimate, but there is always enough money. Could we not ask why when a child is born, an asset is not created? If a banker can create a deposit from a promissory note, why couldn't central banks create deposits for mothers to do the most important human job there is? Raise, educate, and integrate a child into society. The same could be done for people caring for the elderly and disabled. Ooh, great stuff and very true. Yeah, here the American government is just creating money for the COVID relief, which most of the population will not get. It'll go to corporations and think tanks and all that. And, of course, the military-industrial complex, uh, uh, a great archon that we need to get rid of. but. Uh, yeah, it's incredible, Robert. I, there's you in your film. You have that scene which always stayed with me from Breaking Bad, where Walter White goes into this little room and Skyler pulls over the the mat or the blanket or whatever the tarp, and there's all this money. And I'm thinking this is magic because all it is is pieces of paper. You could throw a match on these billions of dollars that Walter White has, or hundreds of millions. But in our illusionary world. These pieces of paper are power. That struck me. And like you say, it's even more magical than this, isn't it? It's true. And it's a story. It's just a story. I used to do this in China. I used to love to do this in China when I'd see my kids with their phones and I'd write on a piece of paper, the bank of Robert gives you $5,000 for that iPhone. Will you take it? <laughs> and they say, no, teacher, I ain't taking that. And I say, I pull out a, a lot of bills. I say, will you take this for your pen? Yeah, 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 yeah. So what's the difference? We and agree on a story. Exactly. That one story. There's nothing behind that money. It's an nothing. illusion. Banks don't have any money. <laughs> and, ba and banks don't lend money. And when you deposit money, you're not depositing anything. You're lending the bank money. So they put it into reserves. They don't lend money and there are no deposits. So when do you understand that? You know, in my film, I make sure and put in from the Bank of England. So, you know, if you have any doubts that I'm making this up, there's the Bank of England tells you, you know, banks create, you know, loans create deposits, not the other way around. So, I mean, this is a basic element of modern life. 
And how many people understand it? How many people really, truly can explain what money is and how it's created? But it's the one thing we all agree on that we need. Apart from air, what can you get for free now? Can you even get water for free? It's pretty hard to get water for free. It's not a human so, right, according to Nestle. <laughs> I mean, to breathe is about the only thing we can do without, without paying for it. it. You know, it's the commodity that we can get without, without paying for it. So if we don't understand that, how can you imagine a democracy? Oh, it's like saying, stop, 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 stop. I mean, the, the Senate passed a bill for $50 billion. What is, what is this $50 billion? If you can't explain that, how can you, how can you um, have a citizenry and, and talk about a democracy? It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's uh, go ahead. Yeah, so I was just going to say that. So if, if we don't know what that is, and we don't even know what, our, what being conscious is, you know, do we teach kids that, you know, when you look at something, you're not seeing it, you're seeing a picture in your brain that's recreated. So remember, it's all a perception. These two basic things are not taught. <clears throat> People don't understand this. So when that's why I bring in the money part, because the money part's a little bit easier to get, I think. You can you can get it's easy to get, you know, once you figure it out, you get it. And then you bring in the conscious part, and that's when you can, you know, say, wait, whoa. It's a way to kind of snap out of it. And what would you advise for people to do? I mean, uh, they, they keep creating this money, and the United States keeps dodging bullets with inflation and all that. Again, I swear there is some magic behind it. Uh, but what do you uh, suggest? I always tell people, go try moving to the Agoras worldview, creating your own economy, uh, crypto, uh, sustainability, you know, move slowly towards that. Well, what do you suggest, Robert? I, I think what we have to realize, though, is there is really no escaping the monetary system as it is. So, I mean, we you could do, you could do different things to prepare for an eventuality, but right now, the normal person, myself, I live very off the grid. I mean, really off the grid. I still need money. I need it every day. So what we have to do is first just understand what it is. Just understand what it is. Then when you go to the bank, and this is what I always do when I go to the bank. I always, I, I'll, I'll speak to them in their terms. Like, you know, where, where is my money? And, or why are you, char why are you giving me 1% when you're making actually 40% on your reserves? And they say, 40%, what are you talking about? And I said, well, you know, if what you have on reserves times 10, 10 times four is 40, right? So you charge me 4%, it's 40% on, on your reserves. Why are you giving me 1%? Things like that. Okay, okay, okay. When you begin to you begin to interact from a place of knowledge and truth, not anger, then when we talk to politicians and they say, "Who was this clown the other day that said they had to reduce? They couldn't give unemployment benefits over six hundred dollars. They had to reduce it." What are you talking about? You create the money, you send it out, then you because governments do this. Governments create the money, they pay their bills, then they tax and create debt, you know, to balance 
to create a monetary policy. But for example, during the coronavirus, they could have immediately sent out two grand to everybody, two grand a month to everybody quickly. Boom, 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 boom. There would have been no inflation. Where do you see inflation in our society? Where do we all see it? In one place, in the equities market. From <laughs> when you look at these prices going straight up, because they're creating money to buy existing assets. But for example, during the, the, the coronavirus now, if you gave people money, there wouldn't be inflation because there's apples left on the tree. Just think about apples on the tree. Until all the apples are picked, there's not going to be inflation. So, or in 2008, why didn't we immediately stop all withholding? All withholding is stop and give people a six month grace period on their primary residence, on your primary residence. If you have a primary residence, you get a six, the whole country gets six months. The, the Federal Reserve could have, you know what I mean? They could have just eliminated those reserve requirements from the banks. It would have cost zero. And you lift, you see what I mean? And people are going back and looking and saying that would have worked. It would have that saved would have really so many worked. people their homes, primary homes. If you, if it was speculation, something else. Yeah. Things I like that. Right. Those types of political policy, those types of, of policies have to come from people who calmly understand what's going on. And then you just get somebody and you don't need the great charismatic leader, someone who's just very practical and says, yeah, we're going to do this, 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 this. Yeah, let's vote for this guy. That's it. No revolutions, no guns, nothing. We elect people within this system who serve us. But if you don't understand it, it's the archons. No, it's you. It's you. We are the ones. It's our fault. There is no excuse. Once we understand these things, the solutions are very easy. Very easy. That's really well said. And I'm sure, you, like you said, we can use this magic to things that work, like helping moms who have children. Yes. And I'm sure, what about our education system? It's a complete oh joke. I mean, <laughs> but they keep throwing money at our education system and it's still not working. So what do we do with that? <laughs> You know, I remember I had to go back and study this sort of modern education system. And it really goes back to the Germans. When the Germans lost when, when those battles with Napoleon, they came up with this system to create a more disciplined army. And then you have the Industrial Revolution and you have these classrooms with rows and bells and you must learn something. So we're educating our kids to enter this system. But if we step back and say, what do we want to educate our kids to be? Happy, right? That's the one thing we want to educate them to be. Happy. And after that, then we'll figure out the other nonsense so we can teach them. So I think we step back, think of all the technologies we have, the brilliant teachers we have. And, you know, it's just sad that we waste so many resources on turning kids, think about Miguel. Think about all three of us. How much did we learn that we had to unlearn? Uh, still working on it, man. <laughs> still, I am still working on that. So let me think about how much we of eighth grade sitting in class going, this is bullshit and it's boring. <laughs> you know, and it, it gets me with math too, because math is so beautiful. Numbers are fascinating. Numbers are true magic. 
Do we teach children sort of that the magic of number, the mystery, the beauty of it, and how mysterious this is? No. We can't. Sit down, remember this, eight times five, six times two. What is six? Pythagoras. Imagine we started math class with Pythagoras and music, music and number, you know? Think about the quadrivium. If we just went back to the quadrivium, right? Imagine you teach math, math and space, geometry, math and time, music, and I can teach this, math and space and time, astrology. Astronomy, fine, you can call it astronomy, but it's really astrology. Think about kids when they would come out of school, they would understand mythology, math, music. The world would be a wonder. Everything they look at would be a wonder. No, we just we turn them into machines. You got to get into a factory. Listen to the bell. Leave at 315. Come back at 317. Our education system is a disaster. Yeah. Well, it's supposed it's to be like said, biological teach. robots. They want to turn us into biological robots. So Alex is not wrong in that, but that's what I always tell people, you know, I'm not too worried about a that much about AI or transhumanism yet, but I would say it's not that the robots are going to take your jobs is that they're going to turn you into a robot at your job, which they've succeeded to, uh, to quite a bit. So what Vance? any questions for the audience or you have anything to say? Um, There there are a couple of questions. Uh, One thing I'm, I'm thinking about here is automation is the basic issue we're all talking about automation and as far as ai goes we've had a ai for almost as long as we've had computers and calculators it's just structured differently if you take a bunch of people in a room in front of calculators and with a procedure it may be slower but it is just as much an automaton look at insurance companies have been around for way longer than you know computers right and insurance companies look out the, the monsters talk about bank they're almost worse than the banks maybe worse than the banks um, they're, they're all, you know, like <laughs> they've got the tremendous amounts of money. Um, so that anyway, I, I could go on and on about artificial intelligence and so forth. I've, I've theorized that for a long time, um, the federal government runs its, uh, strategic, um, operations through some sort of supercomputer AI. Because they've always had scenarios that they ran about. What, what, what if we bomb this? What if we bomb Syria? What if we yeah. pull out of Afghanistan? Yeah. Well, these things are always, they always run scenarios and they use computers to model these things. They always have as long as they've been able to. And now with the supercomputers we have, that's what AI is really just accelerated automation at this point. But, so, But we shouldn't forget that AI, true AI, couldn't arrive until we had the data. Once you have the data, then it can, it's, it's a little bit like, um, take, take, uh, music on the internet until there's bandwidth, there music, you couldn't have music, but once you got the bandwidth, that was the end of the music industry. That yeah, was the end of it's the world that the artificial intelligence perceives, right? And it's got to have its senses. And that data that you're talking about are its senses. Exactly. So. It's like its fingers. Like that 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 Guardian article, I, I mention it all the time, but it's true. Five pictures of just your face, 91%, your, your sexual orientation. That's from like 2017. 2000, that's like ages ago. Imagine what they can do today. With your face, 10 pictures of your face, your Facebook, Instagram, 
and your phone, just you know, the GPS on your phone and all this stuff, what they know. They know you better than you do. And people don't get that. I don't think they understand how far ahead we are. I don't think they really get it. Yeah, well, the, the saving grace is that we're all so insignificant individually that it's, they're not they're not after us individually yet. Yeah, they don't care about you individually, but they but you know, in fifteen years, when when there are no when you can't drive a car, so there's no drivers, and everything is automated. Doctors, would you trust an AI doctor or a real doctor today? Yeah, well, I would trust a real the AI. doctor. Really, I would. If I if I had if I had a say a, a, an X ray that is is oh. it cancer or isn't it? I would trust the AI. Oh, for that for that yeah, I was thinking generally a general practice because the AI can be programmed to lie. <laughs> but then, but but I mean, imagine at some point we're always going to give up. We're always going to give up to the machine. Eventually, we'll give up to the machine. It'll just be too good. You're going to say, I mean, how many pilots, you know, this is interesting. I never forget this when I was investigating uh, something about planes and I asked the pilot, how often have you flown at 30,000 feet? And the guy told me in the simulator, I said, you've you never, you said, why would I? Yeah. They just flip the autopilot <laughs> on. That's it. I know about that. Yep. Because I mean, the guy told me he goes, the plane's going to start shaking around. Everyone's going to get annoyed. I get complaints. It's, it's <laughs> so eventually you give up. Well, yeah. For a doctor, I would want a human as my therapist, unless it was like Bender from Futurama, because he can relate to my uh, alcoholism. Right? He knows what it feels like to be a a decadent uh, degenerate like I used to be. Kiss my shiny metal. <laughs> oh, boy. But as a language teacher, I understand that soon the AI will be a much better language teacher than I'll ever be. Because it can look at your entire history studying the language, compare it to everyone else in the world who's learned the language, what path was successful for those people, what grammar mistakes you've repeated there's no way I can in, in 15 years, there's no way I'll be able to compete with the machine to teach language. There'll be no humans involved at yeah, all. Eventually be like a super brain type of thing, you know. This in, in in size terms, it'd be like a behemoth, a 50-foot man, right? We yeah. can never compete. We'd have to run away. Well, the AIs will eventually, well, it's the matrix, everything, and the AIs are going to take over and uh, we'll be unnecessary except to keep their, their energy up. We'll be batteries. You know, we'll be whatever is left over that they can't do. But we're already doing that with our consumption. I mean, they've turned our pastime, they've commoditized all of our free time. How much of our free time is spent on these gadgets and they're taking that, commoditizing it? So we're feeding them. We're feeding the machine that That's one. true. Yep. You know, if you look at the matrix as a battery, we are the battery now for silicon <laughs> valley. We are. So the future of humanity. Off the phone tomorrow, if we took one week off and said, I'm not going to Facebook, Google, any of this stuff, what would happen to their balance sheets in a week? And there you have it, my beloved truth seekers. The first part of our AB Live with Robert Bonomo on Twilight of the Archons. Don't waste another minute and go watch his movie.
As mentioned, and as a bonus for AB Prime members and patrons at Patreon, I'll provide our first interview, where Robert focuses more on Gnosticism, including the Gospel of Thomas and Alchemy and more. Great insights you should check out. Including the audio version, this is a cool listen if you leverage a private RSS feed from AB Prime or Patreon that works in the podcast provider of your choice. And yes, you can just get the full interview on YouTube or Facebook, sure. But more and more listeners tell me they're leaving those domains. And just as many of you tell me you only like streaming or downloading audio shows. The internet is just getting more fragmented, and many of you just want your content away from all the digital bullshit. So please become a member of Patreon for the full audio interview, and to support this Red Pill Cafeteria. Go to the God Above God Dad Cam for means to assist and get the infernal rewards. Or just contact me. Whether it's Patreon or AB Prime, it will cost you about a buck per episode, and that's a deal of many lifetimes. The alternative spirituality and philosophy of the Gnostics is more important than ever. Might be the only way to counteract the nutsack grip Yaldi Baldi has placed on the collective consciousness of humanity. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself, your true self, here in the desert of the real. Hello and goodbye, as always. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.